This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Grace Brothers Second Shoe Supply. Are you looking for near-quality footwear with supple leather? Visit Mr. Grossman on the first floor. When you think of shoes, think of seconds first. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free! Grandpa, Timory, Stationery and Bonjolets, Wigs and Haberdashery, Kitty Wearing and I'm Jeff, and this is That Does Suit Matter, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hello, Unanimous. Hello, Mr. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. How is everybody doing? Spring has sprung here in the Northern Ooh. Hemisphere. Yes, you walk outside and, like, birds swoop in and they, they help you put on your jacket, like, and Cinderella and mice do your sewing. <laughs> Or is that just in my apartment? I think that might just be a bit. I think you might need to set up some traps, right? No, Damn it. it, it's um, the weather's definitely getting uh, better, and days are getting a little bit longer here. Uh, vaccines are rolling out; more and more people are getting them, um, and you can tell that we're near the end of the pandemic because mass shootings are on the rise. Hooray! We're getting back to normal. You know, you can always tell oh. it's getting close to 4th of July when the shootings start happening. I mean, it's the American tradition. It's, you know, we had we had such a low bar. You know, I think that over the past year, we could have really, as a society, taken the time to fix a lot of our problems. And we failed. Right? Um, the... The fact that that judge in Boulder County, Colorado, mm-hmm. ten days overturned ago. ten days ago, um, yeah, I really hope that this is a big reckoning for all of our lawmakers. You know, especially because the NRA is like what bankrupt now. Like, mm-hmm. what was that news story from last year? Yeah, I don't know. You know, was, in case for the time capsule that this podcast will one day be, yeah. last week um, eight people were killed by a mass shooting in. Atlanta and different parts of it, the Atlanta metro area at two different um, day spas. Three different. Three different. Three spas, different. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah. Three different. Um, everyone was saying, oh, oh, it's it's not a racial thing because like eight out of – or like six out of ten – six out of eight victims were Asian American. Um, and now I saw George Takei say today on Twitter, uh, last week everyone was saying, oh, it's not a, a racial thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was not the M.O. of the killer. Uh, this week, those same people are going to say, because this guy looks looks to have what might be a Muslim last name, mm-hmm. now they're going to try to say, oh, we have to like ban all the Muslims like Donald Trump did. Exactly. In the same breath, you know? So yeah. it's, it's a very weird week. <sighs> yeah. But luckily but- we have an environment where we can completely surround ourselves in a different time and space. Uh like this TV show from 1979. Yeah. Well, 81. Because, oh, 81. Damn. Because today we start season eight. That's true. Um, yeah. The time have transitioned to a new kind of world. It's, it's the same and different. Like a couple of – no, three different people actually. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we want to thank all of our friends who connect with us on Facebook and on Twitter and who send us email and voicemails. Um, we really, really appreciate it when you reach out to us. 
we want to take this opportunity to remind you to please wear a mask, wash your hands, Black Lives Matter, and I'm going to add gun control now, please. And get your vaccine. So <laughs> that does suit political messages uh, hiding as a podcast about a TV show. But yeah, yeah totally. Um, I want to give a special shout out to Mr. Greg, uh, one of our ultimate Facebook superfans, who gave us a really fabulous video of Are You Being Served? Uh, behind the scenes. I haven't checked that, that out yet. I saw the post. I saw you you put it up, but I haven't uh, checked it out yet. It's the coolest thing. So thank you, Greg. Um, um, it's it's it, the video is a camcorder of a TV playing this footage. So it's not super high end, but it's not Greg's okay. fault. But it's um, it shows beh- literally behind the scenes of of the episode where. That dishy uh, golf instructor salesman comes to the floor and like d- demonstrates how to swing the club. That one. Oh, we haven't um, seen that one yet, have no, we? No, it's it's coming up in the future though. But okay. you get to see them acting and like the actors walk past the camera and you and essentially they take all of the crew from Are You Being Served while they're on set in their makeup and wigs and everything, and just talk about the series and how successful it is. It's very weird to see Molly Sugden dressed as Mrs. Slocum without saying Mrs. Slocum's lines, you know, right. It's really cool. But thank you, Greg. It's a real, I've never seen that video. So be sure to go to our Facebook page and check it out. All right. Thanks, Greg. Yeah. So tonight we are talking about series eight, episode one, is it catching, which originally premiered on April 9th, 1981. So let's revisit before we get to that week in the news. The last episode we talked about was the punch and Judy affair which was the Christmas special in 1979. So we've had about a year and a half in between seasons. This is a pretty long break. Oh, that's so interesting. Right? Yeah. And so um, part of this was because probably, I bet they were negotiating with uh, Mr. Lucas for quite a long time, right? In order to be able to get him to, uh, with Trevor Bannister, to get him to come back. That's an interesting idea, yeah. Because he was cast in a West End show, right? And, uh, right, he was cast on a West End show, and the TV show changed its schedule, right, because they are used to film in the autumns. Mm -hmm. And um, he was, there was a conflict that he couldn't resolve. I'm sure they had to try to push it out a little bit, but it didn't work out. And And then John um, Inman was down in Australia doing Are You Being Served Australia, right? That's right. That's right. So, yeah. so Tricky to um, film a a TV show in London when everyone's all over the place. So we said goodbye to uh, Mr. Goldberg and Mr. Lucas and also... Okay. Oh, Mrs. Bakewell. Miss Bakewell. Miss Bakewell, right. Yeah. We said goodbye to them in the last uh, episode. No, remind and, me. Did um, we know what happened with, um, oh, the senior Ms. salesperson? With Alfie Bass? Yeah. Uh, he did not die. The only one who died in between seasons was Arthur Bruff, Mr. Yeah. the original Mr. Granger. Um, no, I don't. I don't know uh, why he left. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So that week in the news. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is April 1981. Uh, daylight savings time was introduced in the USSR. Okay. Uh, Russia had stayed on daylight saving permanently uh, until 2011. Then moved back an hour in 2014, but did not reintroduce daylight saving. So countries, you know, we have pretty much stayed on the same um, time schedule 
ever since daylight saving was introduced in the 40s. You know, mm. um, you know, a couple of states have opted out and opted back in and whatnot, but it's pretty common in, in other countries to change your time zone, right? North Korea and Venezuela have changed their time zone quite frequently in the past 10 years. Um, <laughs> and it's just weird how all of a sudden the government can decree, yeah, starting next week, time is different. Well, I remember... Um in Brazil, they recently changed it. So that, I mean, it, the idea of, like, changing the time, it's just weird. But, of course, you know, as we record this episode, it's, like, the last half of March. So we literally just had daylight savings time very recently. So it's kind of on everyone's yeah, minds. But everyone's minds. Yeah, it's kind and of weird I'll, to move the time. I'll tell you, this year the time change really threw me for a loop. You know, um, I was traveling quite frequently uh, before the pandemic, and so jet lag did nothing for me, and daylight saving did absolutely nothing. I, I got used to the time change real quick. But not having to adjust time zones in a year, the one hour threw me. <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. Uh, yeah. um, so also that week was the 26th annual Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. And uh, Bucks Fizz for United Kingdom won singing Make Your Mind Up. Uh, the UK wouldn't win again until 1997 with Katrina and the Waves singing Love Shine a Light, and they haven't won since. So we've talked about Eurovision. We have. We have indeed, Mr. Brand. And you're like a big old fan. I've, I know of it. I know Verka because Verka is like the, the singer from maybe like 10 years ago mm-hmm. from Ukraine, I think. But other than that, I don't know anyone. I know ABBA came from Eurovision. That's right. But that's yeah. it. I don't know any of these names. Um, Katrina and the Waves. That makes me think of New Orleans, sadly. Okay, um, so Katrina and the Waves had a, I don't know if it was number one, but they definitely had a top 40 hit here, here in the States mm-hmm. in, um, in the 1980s. Hmm. And you, I know you know the song, but you just might not know who sings sing it. Sing it. I'm not going to sing it. It's called Walking on Sunshine. Walking on sunshine, whoa. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, that's See, Katrina and the Waves, yeah. Oh, okay. I yeah. love them. Yeah. Did anything else um, happen to, in that week? And then, in also somewhat timely news, um, President Ronald Reagan arrived home from hospital after John Hinckley Jr. shot him in the assassination attempt oh, uh, earlier that year. Um, John Hinckley Jr. thought that he was the character from Taxi Driver and he was obsessed with Jodie Foster. And so he thought Jeez. the way to get Jodie Foster's attention was to assassinate the president. It's funny you mentioned that. I was watching an interview of Stephen Fry today. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Anytime you hear a lot of British people talking about the states yep, or something like, like um, a big moment in history that they watch television together as a family, they always mention the moon landing first. Uh, and then they invariably always talk about some American politician being shot. Well, usually it's JFK, right? That, well, that's like the big mo- moment. But I mean, yeah. here, here's the thing. I remember when Reagan, the assassination attempt, I remember I was, I must have been home. I must have been home from school or, you know, because um, I went to preschool in the mornings and had came home at lunchtime. And I remember watching Daytime Wheel of Fortune and it getting oh, interrupted God. for the news bulletin that there was the assassination attempt. And my, my grandmother quickly like turned, turned the television off, um, but yeah. I, I very clearly remember it. Yeah, yeah I, um, it, it's just interesting how you know, the American 
um, the idea of what America is to a lot of folks in the world is, oh, that's where they they shoot people. That's where the they time. shoot people. Yeah. And you know, in the last two weeks, we've lost eighteen people. Uh, but yeah, it's it's yeah. A, it's a strange week to be an American. Well, eighteen people that we know about that are getting talked about in the media. We don't know what other kinds of shootings were happening that, you know, technically the, I think the media's definition of a mass shooting is it has to be, have at least four victims. Oh yeah. True. So, no, that's a good point. Cause yeah. if there's three people, no one cares. Right. But exactly. those, those three people still died. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So a- anyway, an interesting so... <laughs> week. Yeah. An interesting yeah. week when this was, was, uh, was, tr- was originally aired. It is interesting. I forgot that they took a year and a half off. Yeah. Uh, and I think, that explains some of the applause we hear uh, within the first couple minutes of the show. That's true, right? Because they're, they're being welcomed back. And we'll see that I believe that the breaks in between season 8 and 9 and season 9 and 10 are just as long. Oh, because wow. the show goes all the way to 1985. Season 10 ended in 1985. So, wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, before the story even opens, we have uh, the credits and we see a bunch of shoeboxes piled around the center display stand. What which would have Mr. Granger said? Right, because usually that's <laughs> kept very pristine and sacrosanct. Um, we learn it's pouring rain outside, so I'm sure we're going to get them all complaining as they arrive in the yeah, store yeah. about the weather. Uh, and we learn that Mr. Grace is phasing in a section of the shoe department on the floor. And so he expects um, the, the ladies and gentlemen staff to uh, sell shoes for the store. Um, mm-hmm. Mr. Grossman comes in with no fanfare or introduction I whatsoever. I know, poor Mr. Grossman. Right. We, we learn a little bit later on about who he is and why he's brought to the floor. But, like, they all know him, right? So there's none of this, oh, you know Mr. Grossman from shoe department, whatever. Mm-hmm. No, it's just, oh, Mr. Grossman, whatever, right? Uh, so Mr. Grossman is played by Milo Sperber. Uh, he was born in Poland to a Hasidic Jewish family who fled to Vienna. So the character's accent is actually natural. That is the actor's natural accent. Um, and he played a minor character in the James Bond film, The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, interesting. Yep. Don't get too cozy with Mr. Grossman because he's only going to last four episodes. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't realize it was that soon. You yeah. know, I, you know I've, I've said on the show before, when I was a kid, I used to, um, at 10 o'clock on Arkansas Public Television, they would always play an episode of Are You Being Served? And I must have had, I had an old stereo boombox thing that was terrible, right? Mm-hmm. But when you were a kid, it was fabulous. It had a tape deck. And I could um, pick up the audio, because this was before digital airwaves, and you could still pick up audio. Oh, that's right, of public TV. Yeah, on the radio. so I went to the very, very bottom of the dial on the FM radio, and I could pick up the audio of Are You Being Served? So I recorded, I'm such a nerd, I recorded the audio of several episodes on a cassette tape. And I would just listen to, because why not? Am I admitting that I invented the podcast? Is that what I just... (laughs) Did I just invent the podcast? Maybe maybe you all owe me a thank you, uh, unanimous. But yeah, so I would listen. So it's interesting, I must have listened to this episode a lot, because I could remember the cadence of the way that Mr. Grossman would say this, or Mrs. Mr. Humphreys when they're all in the bed, mm. uh, Mrs. Slocum, you're going to have to move your foot. You know, so it was weird. Like I was watching the episode today and I, 
I, I knew it so well, but I also haven't seen it in 25 years. So right. it was very well, if weird. You listen to it, if you listen to it on your Walkman, like every day going to school <laughs> for 10 years. As right? a 12-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. Mr. Grossman is um, – is demonstrating a pair of leather women's pumps that um, normally retail for 45 pounds. So that mm. would be about 155 pounds today or $215, right? Whoa. So this is supposed to be you know, a really high – today that would get you a mastige brand, like a mass prestige brand like BCBG or UGG. But you know, to get any of the labels that are mentioned on Sex in the City are absolutely fabulous, like Manolo Blahnik, Jimmy Oh, those Chew, are like ten thousand right. bucks. Those are at least se- at least seven hundred dollars today, right? Yeah. So maybe not ten thousand. <laughs> right. So these are you know these are somewhat expensive shoes for such a down market store. Yeah. Like uh, um, Grace Brothers, right? Where they have these like. Cheap naughty knickers, but they also have a three thousand pound rabbit coat, right? It's, it's, <laughs> in nineteen seventy five, yeah. Um, but we learned that the staff are entitled to a discount, and oh, by the way, they're seconds. Um, so <laughs> it would only cost them twelve pounds fifty, which is the equivalent of sixty dollars today. I'm not a shoes guy, but yeah, I don't know. I just buy I, my my only prized possessions are are you being served props? So <laughs> it's kind of a niche market there. You don't have the supple leather patent um, shoes? You know, I lost it for $5. I, I just w- I, That was my limit on the eBay at auction, and I, I just refused. <laughs> so. Oh, well. so we learned that Mr. Grossman actually comes from the shoe department, having sold ladies' shoes all his career. And we immediately get conflict between him and Mrs. Slocum. Right, because mm-hmm. she doesn't want – if she were buying shoes, she wouldn't want a man getting a chance to peekaboo uh, mm-hmm. while he's like kneeling on the ground looking up her skirt. Yeah, and it's, it's very reminiscent of Mr. Granger and – Uh-huh. Know. Yeah, it's good. So we get that conflict. Yeah, a lot of people had said um, season eight on, they don't even consider as episodes of, of, of Ari Pink. So we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about that too much. Um, but, you know, I think – they got most of the old crew back together. A year and a half went by, and we're lucky to have them, of course, because um, it's all canon, including the movie. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's definitely a difference, and maybe maybe it was Alfie Bass. Maybe he was the magic, you know, that kept them all together. It's like when the Beatles were breaking up, and they brought in. Um, Preston to play the keyboards and suddenly everyone was on their best behavior and they they made another record because they they didn't want everyone to know how dysfunctional they were maybe they just needed Alfie Bass in there and that gave us season seven but that gave us a nice little boost yeah I mean I I've I've I haven't been shy about my opinions on this but (laughs) seasons eight nine ten are not sorry seasons eight and nine are not the best of the bunch right that, that's not to say that every single episode from here on out is a clunker, right? Because in season, I think my favorite in season eight is the sitting. Grace Brothers, unfair to sales workers. Right? Oh, well, that's right. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, but we do get a lot of good episodes in season 10 in the last se- season, right? We get um, um, we get the holdup with Italian Tony. Oh, that's amazing. We get gambling fever where they have to the uh, Mr. Humphreys mimes the uh, results of the horse rates over the closed circuit <laughs> television. Yeah, that's a good one. 
We get the nightclub commercial. Oh, we God. get um, friends and neighbors where they all move into the apartments upstairs. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's we a get, great one. We get a couple of good ones in season 10, but season 8 and 9, we've got to uh, trudge on a little bit through to so this, get to the good uh, stuff. Are you ready for a hot take? Go for it. Our, so I think we all know that Mr. Jeff is probably what would some say is a completionist. Like, is there an episode of seasons eight or nine that is so bad that we scrimp out? <gasps> I we thought cannot. I would elicit that reaction. I just gasped like Miss Brahms gasped when Peacock suggested that Mrs. Slocum might not know how to sell shoes. <gasps> right? She clutched her pearls. When and your pearls are very much... Clutched, which is unusual for you, isn't it, Mr. It is, it is indeed, Mr. (laughs) Brick. No, I don't think that we can skip any episodes. Um, I think if we, I think maybe if we run into a lot of clunkers, maybe we'll do some twofers. (gasps) But I don't think we can skip any. Will the unanimous revolt in like... Including Roots. You know, we've got to cover Roots. Oh, Roots. Right? Yeah, that's true. That'll be... Hmm. So, um... Mrs. Slocum has to audition, right? She has to prove to Captain Peacock that she can sell shoes. So Mr. Grossman gives her a very complicated task. The woman is size Italian 36. She does not know what it is in English. Do you know your Italian shoe size? Oh, hell no. I know it's no. like 50s or something. It's, it's up there. It blows my mind that shoe sizes are one of the last things to be universally standardized, right? Because it keeps you up at night, doesn't it? There's a different system in the U.S., in the U.K., in the rest of Europe, in Japan. It's it's insane, right? So there is a standard that's based on millimeters that is adopted in East Asia. But everywhere else, every other country has their their own way of doing it. So we get a lot of physical comedy, which is great for an audio medium like podcast. And then she did. And then she did. <laughs> uh, where Mrs. Slocum is crawling around on the floor, back and forth between the shoes and the display to try and get the shoe on Mrs. Brom's Brum, foot. Highlights of that include her trying to measure the foot with a tape. Now, do you <laughs> know what the name of the device is that's usually used to measure feet? Oh, man. Is it piedometer? Something like that? Ooh, good guess. But no, it's actually named after its inventor. The Heckelmiker? The he- <laughs> I don't know. It's called a Brannock device. So, you know, that thing that was like, is like foot shaped. that you, device? You put Ugh. your heel in. Yeah. So, again, fans, if you're ever on Jeopardy, this is one of those things to remember. Brannock device for measuring shoes. Feet. Right. Yay. I will say it is cute. I mean, it is like visual, so it's funny, but I'll try. I love it when Mrs. Slocum is on the mucky floor, right? Mm-hmm. And Mr. Grossman and Captain Peacock are steadfast in the fact that they will not walk over and hand her anything. No, no, no. Because no. <laughs> they're just assholes. So she has to like, it's, it's, she's wearing heels and it's, she's wearing a dress. And, you know, I'm to an age where if I have to get on my all fours and then stand up, it's a bit of a struggle. Yeah. You know? Um, so instead of getting up, she just like crawls over on all fours and walks back. And then eventually she gets annoyed with it. So then she sits down on her butt 
and she and does this thing. Over. Yeah, she scoots over almost like a frog swimming in water, if that makes any sense. The way she kind of like pushes her feet. And her then... legs, that's right. She does a little bit of a butterfly kick with her yeah. legs. That does, it is kind of frog like. It was You're cute. Right. It was yeah. sweet. So Mrs. Slocum decides that the job isn't worth up to it. If you have to go through all that palaver to sell a cheap pair of shoes, then you can keep it. I was just going to say we should explain palava. Haven't we, though? Have we not talked about the word before? I'm thinking of havla, but that's like a delicious <laughs> uh, Jewish dessert. But The sesame um, candy? Yeah. Uh, all right. So palaver. Palaver is a palari word. Uh, it doesn't come from Rumney. It actually comes from Portuguese. Ah. The Portuguese word for word, which is palavra. And so you do a little bit of metathesis. It changes to palaver. Uh, palaver. And that's just for hubbub, ruckus, motions. Um, if you have to go through a lot of nonsense to get to the end result mm. of sharing, selling the shoes, it's a palava. Okay. Well, there we go. Um, we learned earlier that it was raining, and that is a great cue for Miss Humphreys to <laughs> enter wearing a black bin bag from head oh, yeah. to toe because he couldn't find his umbrella. He nicked it off a punk girl that is uh, squatting next door, and uh, it was her wedding accommodations. Surely they didn't get married in that. They lived there for the first month. Before they found a place to squat. So it's <laughs> so we talked about how it was an, a year and a half, right, since yep. they last filmed and they showed it. Um, the second, of course, you know, by season four, I think, when Mr. Humphreys, John Emmon, would make his entrance on the stage, people would start erupting. And it sounded right. a very gay eruption, actually. <laughs> uh, almost like when you listen to the Judy Garland Live at Carnegie Hall album, all the clapping... It has a very gay cadence. Yeah. You know? Frenetic and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over-exuberant. Um, but that it, when he walks out wearing this bin, this, this trash bag on his head, um, man, they clap like crazy for him. Yeah. And it's because they've come for, to see John Inman. They've come and it's to been see... a year and a half since they had their dose of Humphreys. Yeah. So it was kind of, I, I wish they would have been something more sparkly. But yeah. I'm sure we have more opportunities for that in the future. True, true indeed. <laughs> um, and Mr. Rumbold introduces Mr. Spooner, who is ah. played by Mike Berry. Uh, Mike Berry is one of the few cast members, uh, regular cast members, who is still alive. He's currently 72 years old. So hopefully he'll be around with us for a while longer. Um, Mike Berry is originally from Northampton, which is in the Midlands. So if you're trying to place his accent where that's from, mm -hmm. you know, it's not quite as far north as Blackpool as Mrs. Slocum. Uh, it's about an hour and a half northwest of London. Uh, and he was a pop singer before coming on the show. Uh, he got famous by doing a cover of a World One era song called The Sunshine of Your Smile. So he was somewhat known hmm. as having been in... The top 100 in the UK, you know, twice okay. or three times, right. uh, and decided to try his hand at acting. I don't know the song. I'll try I don't to find it and post either. it on the Facebook page. Yeah, and so um, we get like a really brief introduction. We don't know anything about him. It's not until we go down to the canteen that we see some of his personality start to shine through. Which, so, again, feels a bit recycled. Yep. But, Okay. Um, in the meantime, Mr. Harmon brings in the center display unit, which is the Winter Wonder Weatherworthy Willies. So say that again. Say that, like, I yeah. didn't catch that. The Winter Wonder Weatherworthy Wellies. You mean the 
Winter Wonder Weatherworthy Wellies. <laughs> Thank That's you. One. That's the one. <laughs> um, wellies obviously being short for Wellingtons, which is a style of riding boot that was popularized by the Duke of Wellington in the early 19th century. Here in the States, we call them galoshes. Oh, I really like that song by uh, Stevie Wonder about him. <laughs> the Duke of Ellington. Duke Ellington. <laughs> Sir Duke. That's what we're talking about, right? Um, the display unit squishes through the mud, making a very rude noise, <gasps> and the boots disappear. So we get that nice little gag. In case you've forgotten what show you were watching. Captain Peacock, I will not sell intimate ladies' honeymoon uh, knickers while they're making that noise. <laughs> it, Yeah, the central display or the point of display unit, blah, blah, blah. It it feels like the first episode. It's sort of like, okay, hey, BBC, we know you've missed us. We've missed you, too. Here's another novelty point of display unit that will fail. And it does. And it makes a rude noise. And it's like, yeah. Let's just all, say all it's... that was missing was for them to speed up the, the, the tape, the, the, the speed right. of the film again. Let's <laughs> just say it sounds like macaroni in the pot. Is that a song? Oh, do you... How have you, like, did were you alive at all last summer that you just missed that reference completely? I just thought you were hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, now that I say it, I know for a fact that you don't know who this artist is. So last summer, Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion had a very popular song called WAP, which uh-huh. stands for wet ass meow. And one of the lines in the song is macaroni in a pot. That's um, WAP. Because if you think about what macaroni being stirred in a pot sounds like, it makes a very similar rude noise to those um, winter wonder Like winter wonder weather whirly whirlies? Yeah. Easy for me to say. <laughs> my goodness, my, I am clutching my frills right now. <laughs> Down in the canteen, uh, their usual table has been split in two. So Captain Peacock and Spooner put the table back together. The canteen manager storms in and demands them to put it back. So we get a lot of back and forth between a standoff between Peacock and the canteen manageress. Um, of course, we know Mr. who we are rooting for in this, in this right. battle. Mr. Spooner, who is brand new to the, sto- um, to the department and does- may not really know the canteen manageress that well, says, please note that I'm obeying an order and I hope you won't put your finger in my plum duff. Right? Yeah, what is a plum duff? I knew you would have like the, the extreme history and the ver- derivation of the words. and. So it's a smaller everyday version of the Christmas put. That's all it is. Oh, well, yeah. that's easy. Okay, well, that sounds delicious. <laughs> So they go back and forth at the table. The manageress calls in Nancy for backup, who's a character we've never seen before. Um, I'm having a bit of trouble with the uppity one with the moth-eaten tash. I assume that means mustache. That means mustache, and she's talking about Captain Peacock. So we talked about the word uppity back in Shoulder to Shoulder uh, when someone made a comment about women have gotten uppity since Thatcher got in mm-hmm. and how we know today that that has different meanings depending on what community you come from. And um, in the black community, it is a very racially charged word. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Nancy comes in and sits on the table to prevent ca- uh, Captain Peacock and Spooner from moving it again. So they move their other table over and sit on it, right? 
Um, so Rumbold comes down and says, oh, good, you're all here. So the fire department has just been here and said that there's a new fire code that requires a free passage in between all the tables. <laughs> so Captain Peacock, Mr. Spooner, can you please move that table over? Um, uh, the manageress and Nancy give themselves a congratulatory shake. So that cute, they yeah, do, right? yeah. Um, and so she's yelling at them on the way out, you know, I'm under a lot of strain having to deal with you lot. And Miss Brahms fires back, you'd be under a lot more strain if you had to eat the food here, right? And then she gives this little self-satisfied nod, like, see, I did it. Good for me. And I will say, um, I think you you mentioned before that Nancy is not credited on the episode. No, no no speaking lines. For what it's worth, Nancy, 40 years in the future, some strange men who have just been born when this episode uh, aired – are giving you the notice and the respect and thank you for the artwork that you've displayed on this glorious episode. <laughs> we hope you want a BAFTA for your your guest extra. Right? So if that's worth anything to the world, Nancy. Yeah, Miss Brahms. You've all gives done that, very well, Nancy. Miss Brahms does like look quite proud of herself for like making that <laughs> comeback and, and getting it right. Yeah. I think about um the the Golden Girls. This is a this is a Face. This is a, a face that Rose pulls quite often when she finally gets something right. Yes, she looks yes, like yes, yes, yes. she beams and looks to Dorothy for approval. Like, you know, <laughs> see, I did it right. See, I did it all myself. <laughs> um, there's no. Everyone sits down, and there's no room for Mrs. Slocum at the table. So they decide to kick Spooner out over to the smaller table, but they do make room for Mr. Humphreys because he's, he's. They always have room for a little one. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, he's, you know, trying to get himself sorted and he's got, um, um, you know, some things in his pockets. He's like, oh, uh, what's this? Oh, it's a demand from the tax man. Well, it's not money and he's not going to get it. Right. (laughs) So do we think that the tax man has written him a love letter or like maybe an obscene letter? I'm thinking he he wants to pitch his woo, but in public. And of course, Mr. Humphreys would (laughs) never do that. No, he's got to go behind the bandstand. Behind the bandstand at 530. (laughs) Um, Mr. Spooner delivers his first insult to Mrs. Slocum, Uh saying that she can sit on the newspaper and read two pages at once, right? That's very rude. He's trying to fill Mr. Lucas's shoes here, right? Because they had uh, this conflict the entire time. But the difference is with Lucas, it was born out of a little bit of admiration. Because remember season one, Mrs. Slocum thought that Mr. Lucas was quite dishy. Yes. And we don't get that turn from admiration to adversary with Spooner. You know what? I have an idea. Season eight of this show. Yeah. It's like if you, let's say you're 18 and you just graduated high school, right? Just stay with me here. (laughs) Patience will pay off. You go away for college out of of town for your first year. Or you you, you have your first job after high school and you, you know, whatever, go, go away for a year. You come back. And you go to a family reunion, and if your uncle couldn't make the reunion, mm-hmm. so your family hired an actor. <laughs> <laughs> to perform in an avuncular way. Who looked just like your uncle. He's an actor, and he did a character study of your uncle, watched all the old movies of your uncle, came in, and they didn't tell you that it was not your uncle you would know that, okay, this is kind of nice. Everyone's here, but it's a little bit different. That is season eight. Like, yes, it's not Mr. Lucas. He's taking the place of Mr. Lucas, you know. 
But it just doesn't like you're right. Like the 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 history of the of that animosity, but kind of reference sort of attraction sort of from season one is completely missing with the Mister Mister Spooner. All right, so I'm going to open a controversial poll here Uh-oh. on a related show on that same topic. Okay, sorry, lay on, it on, on us. A related topic on a different show. Whom do you like better, original Becky or new Becky from Roseanne? Oh, I had to think for a second. Lisey Metcalf or Sarah Chalky? Uh, I don't really remember that much oh. about this. This is the, the is ever this, so slight age slight difference. age gap? Okay. I'm very young. I remember there's an episode where they both are on the same episode. Yeah. And it's like a big joke. Right. They do the whole Patty Duke uh, <laughs> yeah. joke, yeah. What about okay? How about this? How about the original Darren or the the second Darren from Bewitched? Well, second Darren, and you know I have to apologize. I just screwed up her name. It's not Lisey Metcalf. I, it's Lisey Gorenson. Uh, um, Lori Metcalf plays Jackie. Um, yeah. For for me, it's original Becky, Lisey Gorenson, and then second Darren, who was played by Dick Sargent. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I don't. I don't have any more commentary <laughs> except that. <laughs> so Where do you go we, from there? <laughs> I think we head on down to the canteen for a tea break. I think that's down. a lovely idea. I want a little tiny Christmas pud, and luckily, I know what that's called now. <laughs> so I'll know what to ask the manager. Ask what are you going to get? Um, I don't know. I think I'm going to ask uh, Nancy to make me something and see what she cooks up. She she can probably make anything you want and more. <laughs> so we'll be right back after a quick on nip to the canteen. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. All right, well, who knew they had little Christmas puddings? Not at Christmas time. That was delicious. What did you get? Um, you know, Nancy was on break, and I didn't trust the canteen manager us, so I just had a cup of tea. Yeah, probably a good thing. Yeah. So where were we in the episode? So we ju- we're just about to learn that uh, everyone wants everyone is being summoned up to young Mister Grace's office because he's going to introduce them to old Mister Grace. Is this the last time we see young Mister Grace? No, not yet. Okay, so uh, we see him again in Roots, the uh, Christmas the, the special at the end of season eight, but we don't see him for the rest of this season. Aww. The nurse is trying to take his pulse. Oh, I can't, I can't feel anything. And he goes, well, I can't feel anything either. He's looking at her <laughs> cleavage, trying to see if he, you know, if he gets aroused, right? Yeah. Um, Mr. Harmon announces there's an elderly gentleman waiting to see him. We hear a woman scream. 
And she comes in rubbing her behind. So we're led to believe that she just got goosed by the mm-hmm. elderly gentleman that's waiting outside. Oh, that must be my brother, right? You know, it's interesting. I want to jump in to say, um, do you remember this game show, which is still on, called The Price is Right? Um, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. alive in exactly. the United States. Exactly, because I'm breathing. Um, okay. So I just uh, – so if you're not in the United States – it's a silly game show. It's they have on it. YouTube. They, they have it in the Commonwealth. They have it in, in um, the UK. Australia, Australia. UK. It's definitely Canada. not as long running as it is here, but um, mm. they'll know what it is. Because I, I think the, it's been going since like the early 60s. I remember they used to give houses away like in the early days. But anyway, so like if you're a little kid and you ever were sick and you stayed home, you Bob Barker was your, your caretaker from 11 to 12 before the news. Yeah, came out. exactly. Bob Barker, like on the TV. And like we've associated the sound of da 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 is like, oh, no, I must be sick because I'm home oh, away from okay. school. Right. Okay. So it was interesting. So I was a little nostalgic, and I, 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 I knew it was still on. But it's different. It's it got a different guy. It's all slick now. And I thought, I bet it's on YouTube. I Googled, or I, I, I YouTubed, and I found an episode from April 14th, 1981. Oh, so which is a week like away from... Within a week of the... And it's just like totally random that this is the week that this aired originally, this episode. And I watched it, and they have the old commercials. So some guy in like Boston recorded the entire thing with the commercials and you know 40 years later right. posted it on YouTube. So when you go and watch these episodes um and look at the the commercials, I'm, there is a point to this. Uh, um I'm waiting for it. I'm like <laughs> something reminds him of the price is right. I'm fr- I'm from the the south where we take our time. Um anyway, so I'm thinking of like young Mr. Grace's secretary being goosed and like the misogyny and all of that. When I and I just did this like a couple weeks ago. When I watch this episode and all the commercials from uh, uh, The Price Is Right, every commercial was, "Hello, ladies! Don't you love it when your husband comes home and then you get to serve him that delicious meal that you made him? Mm-hmm. Isn't it much nicer to do that than working?" And like all these very misogynistic, like men are great and superior, and like no people of color, and like very different than it is today. So it's it's interesting, like, you if you could travel back in time to 1981, 76, whatever, with these episodes, it's not just this episode, it's not just this TV show. No, that's it true. Really it really was, was pervasive, yeah. and it's just weird to look at that and notice it in, you know, another country, um, you know, daytime TV, yeah. but it's very weird. So there, there was the loop back. There you go. Thank you. Thank you for connecting the dots. Appreciate that. Yes. Thank you, Gladys. Um, old Mr. Grace's secretary is played by Debbie Linden. Um, she had some minor roles throughout her acting career, but this is what she's most known for. This is her best known work. Oh, okay. I like the flower in her hair. Very 70s. And then Old Mr. Grace is played by Kenneth Waller. So he was 54 at the time that this episode was taped. So there's some major prosthetics going on to make him look um, like Mr. Grace's older brother. Because Harold Bennett, who played young Mr. Grace, was 83 at the time. Wow. And so he had to you know, play older than 83. Um, Kenneth Waller was born in Yorkshire. And he broke his Yorkshire. nose as a child, which explains um, the really bad uh, prosthetics job on his nose. 
Uh, he, oh, I didn't had, even realize that. Okay. His, his nose, I think, is his nose and his wig line or his bald cap line are like the worst parts of the the makeup <laughs> job. Uh, but the, the nose that that's explainable because I really had to kind of build in um, parts of his nose that were missing. Oh um, wow! Damn. He had roles in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Fiddler on the Roof, and Carry On Behind. Um, but he's probably best known for playing the granddad in Bread, a seven series sitcom. Um, from the 90s about working-class Liverpool. Hmm, I, I, I think I've heard of it. Um, that might be interesting to check out. You know, interesting about old Mr. Grace, people hate him. Yeah. A passion. They, they say that him being misogynistic and, like, wearing creepy makeup and, like, he comes across as scary. Now, of course, misogyny never is fun. It's kind of creepily funny with old with young Mr. Grace, even though it isn't funny ever, but at least he was like a little old man. It's one thing being like a twenty five year old being misogynistic, but then it's like a little tiny old man who looks very weak being misogynistic. It's the the ducat dichotomy of that is kind of where the comedy comes from. Yeah, I mean, I I I think that with when young Mr. Grace is hitting on uh, his secretary and his nurse or whatever, we see that. Um, there is a certain level of complicitness. I don't necessarily want to say consent because he's in a position of power and they yeah, really exactly. didn't have the Good opportunity point. to say no. But, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're making jokes and being pleasant and, you know, taking turns sitting on his knee at the candlelight supper. And, <laughs> you know, his, his, his attitudes toward them is most of the time playful most of the time R-rated, you know, I think only that one time we talked about seeing the pink, did it get like X-rated? Whereas with yeah, old but, Mr. Grace, it's just lecherous. Yeah, and it's so weird how the age, it, 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 it there must have been some, some, some men in a room writing the character mm-hmm. and directing. Like, I'm sure if there were a woman, can you imagine how different Are Being Served would be? If a woman was involved in all of that, yeah. you know, like these jokes, even right now, like we're both guys. Um, I wonder if like one of our fabulous super fans who are women from before would be like, oh, no, actually, guys, I hear what you're saying. But when women hear this, you know, it's an interesting thing um, how changing young Mr. Grace to the much younger old Mr. Grace, how it makes things just really creepy but yeah. you know we heard we heard what everyone commented when they emailed us and we've been hearing this for a long time that like old mr gray sucks yeah. so here he, now now we meet him but he's only here for season eight he goes away after season eight and we have no leadership for our seasons nine and ten um beyond mr Rumble. <laughs> not that we so, ever did really yeah, in the first that's true. <laughs> uh so mr Rumble introduces the staff one by one and old mr gray says oh i've heard all about you from my brother when yeah. he gets to Mr. Humphreys, I've heard all about you from my brother, and I didn't understand a word of it. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mr. Humphreys. Um, so as we said earlier, young Mr. Grace does return at the very end of season eight for Roots. Um, and then sadly, Harold Bennett passed away in September 1981. So after, oh. um, after season eight wraps. So uh, mm. we cut back to the floor, and Mr. Humphreys is gossiping with Mr. Spooner, just like he used to with Mr. Lucas. Right, yeah. Um, he had a funny feeling earlier in the week, so he went to the doctor, who then referred him to the psychiatrist. 
And then all of a sudden his hand goes all clammy and he feels really weak and he needs help getting to a chair. And then he starts fanning himself with a package of wife runs and Mr. Pe- Captain Peacock is, why is he doing that? And Mr. Humphreys faints. <gasps> Good Lord, he's fainted. Call the sister. Call oh, an ambulance. Oh, he's fainted. Right? Yeah, I want to say interestingly, I, I noticed um, Mr. Humphrey says, Mr. Spooner, just feel my hand, how clammy it is. And he refuses. And a difference between him and Lucas is Mr. Lucas would have held his hand oh, and he would have made a joke about it. And it's like, sure, I'll do it, but we're just not buying any drapes, okay? Right. Like, we're not buying curtains together. Like, we're not moving in. Right. He would have done that. Um, yeah, I, I miss that playfulness. Yeah. And I don't think that um, Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Spooner ever build that kind of relationship that he had, like, with Lucas. Where, no. you know, um, do we get... Do we get them in costumes um, besides the pop star in the finale? Do we ever get them in costumes again? Well, later this episode. Well, yes, that's true. But I'm trying to think of where there'd be a costume that's particularly feminine or frilly that Mr. Lucas would, that Trevor Bannister would play up and really own having to wear it. <laughs> um, we'll, ha- we'll have yeah, to see. We'll have I don't see. remember. Anyway. Yeah. So in Mr. Rumbold's office, Mr. Humphreys is sitting in a wheelchair with a blanket over his lap, and he's got a large growth on the tip of his nose, right? Uh, and so Mr. Rumbold is, you know, getting ready to leave for the day. Well, if you're feeling groggy, I suggest you take a taxi home at your own expense, of course, right? Of course. Of course, right? <laughs> They're so cheap. So they're all, um, they're all trying to guess what might be wrong with Mr. Humphreys. And so Mr. Spooner suggests that he's probably got distemper. We'll have to get you a Bob Martin's. I assume that's like a cocktail with grapefruit juice. <laughs> that would be a Greyhound, uh, but you're on the right track. Uh, Bob Martin's are dog vitamins. Get okay. it? Greyhound on the right track. Uh, yeah. I just I, I noticed what you did there. Um, dog vitamins. Oh. Oh, because dogs get distemper. Right. Oh, yeah. mm. So Harmon comes in to announce the doctor is on his way, but he refuses to go into the room. The doctor comes in wearing a hazmat suit, right? Okay. So many COVID vibes right here. Yeah. Right? This whole episode. Oh, they're all, they all caught a weird bug. You have the quarantine. Uh, I won't even be in the room with you. I have uh, these side effects, blah, blah, blah. Kind of weird. And it's funny. When COVID-19 happened, we, we also didn't mention in, in this episode of the podcast, we just hit one-year anniversary of COVID, um, March 15th last year. Um, and when it happened and we were talking about quarantine, I'm not afraid to say I actually were, I thought this episode of Are You Being Served? Yeah. Um, all the quarantine messages and yeah. stuff. So it's kind of weird. The doctor announces that Mr. Humphreys has got Marine's disease. Um, it's never known to be fatal, but there are some nasty side effects. The bump is the first symptom to arrive, and the next one is some chronic sneezing. What a perfect disease for television. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) It turns out that anyone that's been in close contact with Mr. Humphreys has to isolate for seven days. Uh, It's 7 o'clock right now on Friday, and Mrs. Slocum lets us know that her pussy is expecting to see a friendly face. Well, someone's got to open the tin. Yeah, we get uh, we get a pussy joke pretty late in the episode. Uh, it's right. not not according to Mr. Jeff's standards, but, I'm afraid. But it was well timed and it was <laughs> pertinent, right? It wasn't out completely out of left field. Um, yeah. We come up to your favorite line of the entire episode, 
and learned that Marine's disease is shellfish born. And so what did uh, Mr. Humphreys eat for dinner? <clears throat> I know I should have kept my hands off those winkles last night. <laughs> when I was in the UK, I would always go past, like, if there was, like, a live fish market or, like, oysters and stuff, I would always look. And I did find a little, little thing that said winkles. And I thought, oh, Mr. Humphreys better keep his hands off those. Did you do it? Very exciting. Did you do it in your Paul Lind voice? I might have done it. I don't remember. I was drinking a lot of cider back in those days. So. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> what is a winkle? Um, I was hoping you would tell us, actually. <laughs> it looks like a, it's a little tiny shell. And I don't know if it's like a tiny little clam or something, but they were very small. So winkle is short for periwinkle. Uh, and it's an edible snee- yeah, it is an edible sea snail, better known in the States as Welks or Scungili. Oh, Welks. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've never had them, but they sound pretty good. A little bit of white wine, garlic. Mm. Of course, so, we know so, that Mr. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Jeff is uh, anti no both seafood, science please. fiction and seafood. But. <laughs> uh, Mr. Attack of the killer um, octopi from outer space is just his nightmare. <laughs> Um, Mr. Harmon is spraying down the lifts with a disinfectant. Again, very good COVID vibes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's leading the staff. Um, we find out that the staff aren't going to the hospital, but they're going to be quarantining in the bedding department. Against their will. Against their will for the next seven days, right? Mm. Um, they've had to burn their clothes in the incinerator and put on antiseptic disposable sleepwear. Um, they're tan-colored onesies with a face hole cut out. Where they with can't, the crotch like six inches above their feet. Right. Which And they can <laughs> hardly move their uh, hands and their feet, so they have to gotta walk very, very comically to do that, right? It's cute, though. Um, them quarantining in the bedding department is a ruse. They're being put in the basement instead, where they have oh to share God. a king-size waterbed. Yeah, I love Captain Peacock. This is a violation of our civil rights and blah, 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 human rights. You can't imagine they would close down the bedding department for an entire week just to accommodate the um, <laughs> not at the Grace Brothers, right? But I don't understand. Like they were so to calm them down. I guess Mr. Harmon's reporting back to to Mr. Grace that he gave them chicken curry and prunes. And I, I know what that effect has on one's body, right. but I don't know why he would do that purposefully, like <laughs> to calm them down, to make them distracted. To make them distracted, exactly. <laughs> so they can't like yell and scream right. anymore? That's horrible. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, we get the water bread trope with Mr. Slocum, no, with Mrs. Slocum and Mr. Humphreys, where there's too much motion and Mrs. Slocum starts to feel a little seasick. Um, the entire staff's top and tail in the bed like the Charlie and Chocolate Factory godparent, uh, grandparents. Yeah. All right. Uh, and we get the line from Mrs. Slocum that even when I'm watching Triangle, I have to take seasick pills. Um, Triangle was a 1980s soap opera set aboard a ferry that went from uh, between <laughs> Suffolk and Sweden and Holland. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love the fact that um, Mr. Harmon has to announce why there's a waterbed, of course, full, filled with water. In the basement of the department store, he says, um, this was returned to us from an Arab sheik because it was too much of a strain on his oasis, right. which is so cute. <laughs> the fact that they, he volunteers that just randomly, and then you picture, I'm picturing like sand dunes and like one palm tree and a big thing of water. I'm picturing the Amir like, from season five. Yeah, 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 yeah. With all the goats. Oh my God. <laughs> so cute. Uh, 
Um, and, then, and then what happens? And then the next symptom starts, the sneezing starts, which sets off the water bed. And then everybody else starts sneezing at well. So they go past the first system of the bump, symptom of the bump in the nose. They've all got it. And everyone starts sneezing. Mrs. Silicon is hanging over the side of the bed because she's sick. And thus ends the episode. I nah. will say, just before the end happens, the one part where Mrs. Slocum kind of, as after everyone lays down finally, but then she pulls herself back up. Captain Peacock asks her if she's okay. And she's trying to, I mean, again, Molly's fucking such a good actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's trying to look like she's seasick. And she but does a good job point, of it, yeah. She does, but at one point, she almost looked, I don't know if she's about to crack. Yeah. But there's something about her face that looks mildly sexual. <laughs> I, 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 did I, anyone else catch that? I, I, I don't know. I did catch that. I know what you're talking about. And yeah, I think it was she was about to break. <laughs> and, that's what and then the, you can tell, like, the, of course, every audience and every comedy loves it when they break and they, they kind of encourage it by laughing. And the, the, if you watch that scene, uh, the audience is just like on pens and needles waiting for it to happen. Well, this is a new trope in the in 1981 about waterbeds, right? Because waterbeds. Yeah, because they weren't around. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know when waterbeds became popular in the UK, but they were a very 70s thing here in the States. Yeah, and they're always brown. Yeah, and so, you know, getting that idea of having someone be seasick from a waterbed, <laughs> that was relatively new in comedy in the 80s. So, of course, the audience would have eaten it up. I remember, like, every one of my cousins and aunts and uncles and, like, all of the adults when I was a kid, they all had a waterbed. When you're a little kid, you don't know, right? Maybe, maybe they have water sofas. Maybe they have water cars. Who knows? There's a bed made of water. Why not, you know, water shoes? Now, there's an idea. Shoes, mm. shoes made of water, an orthopedic insert? Yeah. Not a bad idea. I'll call the Dr. Scholl's people. Patent pending, patent pending. Yes. Um, what do you think of the episode? Uh, I remember it fondly because I, I remember the, the little onesies are super cute and how they all kind of, especially the scene when they're going up the stairs when they're uh, right. as, um, ascending, they have to go like at the side because of their, their short stature. Or hop or up the thing. stairs, yeah. Yeah, it's cute. And I like the scene in the waterbed where they're all kind of wobbling. Um, Grossman is different. <laughs> Spooner is I think we, I think on the show we will grow to love Mr. Spooner, Speak especially by the last episode. <gasps> oh, I mean, it's still are being served. I yeah, mean. that's true. That's true. Um, and and he does get he does get better over time. I will get I will give him that. I did notice whenever he would make a a joke or something to someone, he would always he would always his rebuttal would be sticking his tongue out. Yeah, which felt very like TV. Wanting to be, I know it's British, but it's almost like appealing to like mom and dads. Mm-hmm. Like instead of saying something mean, they would just make a funny face. Yeah, you know, pictures like like Three's Company, nineteen seventies shows. Like they would make faces at each other, mm-hmm. which you know, kind of weird. But overall, it's like I don't know. It's I, if if there was another episode of season eight that started the new season. Yes, and I think the fact that it was a year and a half. Maybe people were so hungry for it, but like we don't think about that. There's like 25 more episodes for us. Yeah, I I agree. Mm-hmm. I don't think that this was a strong start to season eight. I think they could have done um, probably any of the other episodes 
as a hmm. good way because we also didn't get a really good introduction to either Grossman or Spooner, right? You'd think, yeah. like, I understand that you want to keep the focus on the characters that you know, but you'd want them to be involved in the B-plot somehow. Like, I think it would, would, would have been great if either Mr. Grossman or Mr. Spooner had gotten Marine's disease because that would show some conflict between the old guard and the new guard. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, something I, I don't want to speak too much about it, but um, so this was in April 1981. Um, a week before your episode of The Price is Right aired. Yep. Yes. <laughs> but on a more somber note, um, April, May, June, three months later, there would be an article in The New York Times that says rare cancer seen in 41 homosexuals. Mm. The first time. AIDS, which would eventually become AIDS, because at the time they didn't even have a name for it. Um, The fact that the gay character has a funny disease and he doesn't know where where it came from and blah, blah, blah. Of course, it's all comedy and it's all made up. But the fact that six months later, Mm. you know, like New York, San Francisco, London, different places, Mm -hmm. um, would be completely devastated in the next decade and a half maybe two decades, you know? So it's just that this is something that I also think about with this episode, um, which is a bit of a, you know, it, it, it does negatively t- tinge it for me. Yeah. So did you, but, did you watch it's a sin? Not yet, but I will. I, I can't, I don't think I could bring myself to watch it. It's just, it just from the, all of the, the trailers that I've seen, it just looks too depressing. And I don't think no. that's going to be entertaining enough. Uh, listeners, for those of you who don't know, uh, Channel 4 did a mini series. Channel 4 in the UK did a mini series um, last month called It's a Sin, uh, looking at the lives of 20 um, year olds in London in the early 80s who were facing the AIDS crisis. Um, mm-hmm. It was written by Russell Davies. Is that right? Russell T. Davies. Russell yeah. Davies. Um, Neil Patrick Harris played uh, a part in the first um, first part. Uh, some cool. really well known actors in it, um, and uh, it's supposed to be very well done and very moving story. But it just it just looks too too depressing for me to to watch. Maybe once maybe once our pandemic is over, maybe then I could go back and watch that. But. Yeah, it's interesting going back to, to COVID really quickly. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about zero, not zero converting, but they talk about um, uh, virological factors. Mm-hmm. And it sounds a lot of, you know, like what the LGBT community went through in the early 80s. Now they're all talking about like maybe we can get protease inhibitors and, and all of these different things. All right. Can I get on my soapbox for a minute? Do it. All right. So you, it's your freaking podcast. Man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so one of the novel in one of the the novel breakthroughs in modern science that has really come you know, that we're seeing the the benefits of through COVID is the m the mRNA vaccine, right? Where huh? you're not necessarily introducing a virus into the body and training the body's immune system to respond to the virus, but rather you're implanting the blueprint about how to make antibodies to respond to a virus instead, right? Yeah. So you're skipping the infection stage and you're going directly to the immunity. To the antibody. The, the natural antibody. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. So this technology didn't just come about um, 
in response to coronavirus, right? This is not something that was just developed in the past 12 months and approved and rushed through. Uh, Moderna had discovered the use of mRNA vaccine technologies in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. And the obvious application would be against the HIV virus. That's the other virus that is well known that um, the, the main reason why immune systems can't um, uh, fight it is that the RNA reproduces so quickly, right? Yeah. But that did not get funded. Nobody, no government, no, no uh, organizational body thought that it was important enough to invest in the MNRA technology to fight AIDS or fight HIV infection since 1994. But all of a sudden coronavirus comes around, <laughs> which impacts everybody, not just gay men, not just people of color. And now all of a sudden everyone's ready to throw money at it. And it's this brand new technology that's saving the world. How many lives could we have saved and changed if we as a world had invested in the technology 20 years ago? Yeah. You know, if, if if your neighbor's house is on fire, funding the fire department is not as important as if your own house is on fire. Mm. Suddenly that's a very important investment to make, right? No, but it's funny. The second you said, I want to get on my soapbox, I knew exactly what you were going to say because yeah. I had the same thought. Yeah. You know, if, this, if, if HIV had affected straight people mm-hmm. equally Absolutely. as gay people, it would have been, yeah. But yeah. society is a funny thing. They say in England, there's nothing as queer as folk. This is probably an example of that, right? But yeah. uh, anyhow, well, there's anyhow. a bit of a downer of this episode. A little bit of a downer, but <laughs> that, no, next week hopefully we'll be uh, straight up and have comedy through and through all 59 minutes of our podcast. We're going to be <laughs> watching a personal problem, which is the one where Captain Peacock thinks that Mrs. Peacock and Mr. Rumbold are having an affair. Ooh, I don't remember a thing about it, so it'll be like the first time for me. I think we get, I think we get a new Mrs. Peacock in in, uh, in this one. I don't think it's the same one we've seen before. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. We'll That's find out next week. Uh, Mr. Brandon, if people want to tell us about their winkles or uh, weigh in on their own soapbox <laughs> issues, how can they get don't in touch with us? Don't send photos of your winkles, people. That's, that's not appropriate. Um, <laughs> you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Um, Twitter, does suit, at does suit Madam. Uh, hello to all the Twitter people. Uh, you can send us an old-fashioned email at that does suit Madam with an E at gmail.com or you can call the Peacock hotline at 662-PEACOCK 662-732-2625 and with that Mr. Jeff as always you've all done done very very well see you next time that does suit madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only all you're being served is a copyrighted program of the BBC close contacts of an infected person must quarantine for 14 days, or 10 days with no symptoms, or 7 days with no symptoms and testing negative on day 5.